0: Welcome to the Cross Loganville's podcast channel. Thanks for joining us as we continue our series on Spiritual Warfare. Today's going to be a very interesting topic, and I will tell you going into this conversation that I am not an expert when it comes to uh, the medical, uh, psychiatric, and psychological piece of uh, dealing with depression, Uh, but I have studied it. And I do believe uh, that what God has placed on my heart is going to help each and every one of us as we walk through this in our own journey, as well as walking through it with other uh, people. I want to just unpackage thoughts today on overcoming depression, overcoming depression. So here's what I would say, life as we know it has plenty of ups and downs. And it is easy for each and every one of us to become discouraged. We live in an imperfect world. We are imperfect people. The world we live in features so much corruption. And each and every one of us, if you're watching online, you know this to be true, we all experience disappointments. We have setbacks. There's sickness. There's things that happen that literally break and crush our hearts. Difficulty in relationships. Some of you sitting here this morning, that's where you find yourself. You find yourself, uh, whether it's family, whether it's marriage, uh, whether it's with friendships, co-workers, or whatever, you go, relationships right now are kind of difficult. One of the things that can contribute is the losing of a job when you get fired, when you get laid off, and we've seen that happen over the last 15, 18 months at a a new level. Uh, When you have family members and friends that you either move away from or they move away from you, it crushes the heart and feelings of sadness can start to take root in us. And I will tell you when that happens, it's natural. That's normal to experience sadness. When you go through the death of a loved one, You will probably grieve. If it is a person very close to you, it is a different type of grief, a different type of sorrow, a different type of distress. Now, Dr. Donald Graber, he's a psychiatrist, and uh, I was reading some of his thoughts that even focus on the family shared, but I want you to hear this. He talks about sadness, grief, distress, but then he says, but depression is a different sort of emotional and mental uh, challenge for people to work through. It can be incapacitating, it can be devastating, and it can even become deadly for those who suffer from it. Depression can affect energy levels, appetite, sleep, sex drive, and all other aspects of physical health. He then makes this observation that I found very interesting. He said, in the U.S., it is estimated that depression is the primary diagnosis for nearly 8 million visits to healthcare providers. This includes doctor offices, ERs, etc. He goes on to say, for those admitted to the hospital because of depression, the average stay is longer than six days. The economic cost of depression is around $90 billion a year. And this includes lost workplace productivity and treatment cost. So you and I would agree that we're living in a culture right now where, for so many people, they're overcome with depression. They're, they're beat down. They're discouraged. Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services reported in 2018 that youth between the ages of 12 and 17 had the highest rate of major depressive episodes at 14.4%. Now, as I speak to you, many of you are in this room right now that you have, uh, you have kids that fit in that age group of 12 to 17 years old. And you know as well as I do, the pressures right now with so many of our kids is at an all-time high. Kevin, you're in the coaching space and we're dealing with kids in this age group. Rick is going to continue this conversation On Wednesday night, I want your kids to be a part of this. Cross Student Ministries, Wednesday night, 7 p.m., but Rick is going to dive deeper into this conversation with the emotional turmoil, the fear-based pressure, as well as the ruins of social media. One of the things that we've seen when you study it, with the dopamine in the brain and all this kind of stuff that happens, Richard, what we know is so many kids— They're isolated when it comes to relational relational contact and integration. They spend so much time on smartphones, which are really dumb phones, and it is absolutely crushing them because they have no context of doing life. Come on. And so Rick is going to continue that conversation. If you go on and read the stats, it says that young adults between the ages of 18 and 25 had the second highest rate of major depressive episodes, people 50 and older had the lowest percentage at 4.5%. The Journal of Adolescent Health reported back in 2019 that severe, severe, severe depression among college students rose from 9.4% to 21.1%. Before the COVID shutdown took place, before the pandemic happened, 8.5% 8.5% of U.S. adults reported being depressed. Since we've walked through these last 14, 15 months together, that number has soared to 27.8%. And as I've shared with you in the past, isolation is a tool of the predator, and the enemy will use isolation to get you on an island where you lose context of proper thinking and community, and it can absolutely bring destruction. What we know is depression happens with all ages. It happens with all people. It doesn't matter what your ethnic background is. It doesn't matter what your socioeconomic uh, status is. Andrew, it can happen with anyone, brother, and we know as we've seen this. Now here's a working definition of depression. And again, I spent a ton of time in study and so there's multiple resources that I looked at to make sure that I was as accurate with what I would present today as I could be. Depression is defined as this: it's a prolonged emotional tone dominating an individual's outlook and mood. When you hear depression, it's been described as sadness Emptiness, hopelessness, darkness, heaviness, and just feeling weighed down. And here's what we know. Depression will distort your perspective, and it will hinder you from seeing God's truth clearly. When people get into a depressed tank... To me, for so many, they start to empower the wrong voices, and for many, they start to empower the voices of hell, and they're not listening to truth. They can't see truth. They can't discern truth. Every person I'm looking at in this room, as you watch online today, I can promise you this. Every person I know has experienced trauma. Every one of us have experienced pain, heartache, incredible grief inside of our soul. We live in a broken, corrupt world, but the good news, the good news is this, you do not have to stay stuck in that defeated state. I promise you, there is hope in Jesus name. Isaiah 61 and gospel writers again even include this in their writings. Matthew does But Isaiah 61 says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. This is a prophetic word of the coming soon, Messiah Jesus. He's he's sending me to bring comfort to the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and that prisoners can be set free. He has sent me to tell those who mourn, that the Lord's favor has come. To all who mourn, he will give beauty for ashes. He will give a blessing instead of mourning, and he will give you a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So here's what we believe at the Cross Loganville. As we open the word and as we teach the word of God, We truly believe that Jesus can bring healing to any troubled soul, any person that's knocked down, feeling beat up, and just at a place of despair where you're like, there's no hope. There's hope in Jesus' name. We believe that he can comfort the brokenhearted, and we believe that he can turn your despair into praise where you can learn to celebrate the goodness of God. My question would be, have you experienced healing in Jesus name have you experienced his comfort have you experienced his, his peace have you experienced the power and the difference that Jesus can make in a life and i can tell you personally it radically changed who i am if not for jesus i do not know where i would be today so no matter where you find yourself today no matter how down and out it may feel to you i can promise you that there's hope of a- in Jesus' name. Now, as I dive into this, Dave, I feel like this is crucial. I I want you to understand that there is a difference between depression and godly sorrow. There's a difference between depression and godly sorrow. Solomon, the writer of the book of Ecclesiastes, it's his biographical sketch which features many regrets and When you read it, you will see a guy really vulnerable with his emotions. Here's what he says in chapter 7. It's better to spend your time at a funeral home than at parties. After all, everyone dies. So the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. It has a refining influence on us. A wise person, a wise person thinks... A lot about death, while fools only think about having a good time. Here's what he's saying it's better to feel the brokenness that really is taking place in this world than it is to numb your pain. It's better to ponder the brevity of life than it is to live as if you think you're invincible. It's better to attend a cemetery, and walk around in a cemetery, and look at headstones than it is to go to a comedy club. And it is better to honor God than it is to live a selfish life. I've done this a few times in my life, where I've had guys who were jacking it up in their marriage, where guys that were off the, 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 the rails, and I've taken guys literally to a cemetery. And to walk through to say, I want you to ponder the brevity of your life. I want you to ponder your dash that you get while you're on this planet. I can promise you right now, we live in a culture of hedonism, a culture of pleasure, and oftentimes all people want to do is sedate and medicate and just go try to find some type of laughter and never deal with the deeper pain that's in their soul. Godly wisdom will lead us to sorrow, and that sorrow will lead us to mourn the brokenness that's in this world, the sin, the corruption that we see that exists in this world in which we live. And when we get there, our hearts should be broken. The psalmist cried out in Psalm 119, and he said, Streams of tears flow from my eyes, for your law and your word, and your statutes, and your standard is not obeyed. It's so powerful. I weep when I see people disregard God. I weep and I hurt when I see people disobey God. My heart breaks when I see people refuse to acknowledge that they have a need for the Lord. People made in the image of God, but yet... Refusing to trust the God that made them. And can I tell you something? It should lead us to heartbreak. Even Paul would write to the believers in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 7. He says, uh, I caused you sorrow by my letter. When I wrote my letter to you guys confronting some of the sin and the inappropriate stuff was going on there, I want you to know I caused you sorrow by my letter. But I do not regret it because your sorrow has led you to repentance. You became sorrowful as God intended. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation with no regret, but worldly sorrow brings death. And when we experience the brokenness and the sorrow that only the Holy Spirit can bring about, realizing I am missing living up to the standard of holiness and righteousness that God has called me to, we should become brokenhearted and desire to repent immediately. But people that experience worldly sorrow will deflect and deny and point and blame and excuse their behavior. Godly sorrow. It's when we experience sorrow over sin. When we look at the sin in the world, it should bring us to tears. When we look at the sin in others, it should break our hearts. And when we look at the sin in ourselves, it should make us repent immediately and turn from our wickedness. And that's what God is calling us to. Godly sorrow brings repentance. Now, There's a difference in godly sorrow and in depression. From a clinical standpoint, here are some of the symptoms, if you will, of clinical depression. And I want you to hear these. I'm going to walk through them very slowly. Clinical depression includes deep sadness or emptiness. It includes feelings of being worthless or living with excessive guilt. It includes being apathetic. You've just got apathy in your life and you lose interest even in normal activities. People that are really struggling with clinical depression, they will see either increased weight gain or decrease in weight loss or they will see their appetite soar where they're eating everything or they're absolutely avoiding and eating nothing. When you're depressed and something is going on deep down in our soul, Food is one of the things that people oftentimes use that they control. I can control what I do with this. It can be agitation. I'm restless. I can't sleep. It's a diminished ability to be able to think clearly or even to be able to concentrate. It is feelings of fatigue. You have no energy. And for some, it gets to the place where it's morbid thoughts about death And it's about suicide. And if a person is experiencing at least five of these symptoms for a month or more, they've got major issues. And I would tell you this. We want to help you. You need help, but you're going to have to ask for it. This Wednesday night, Rick is going to be having that conversation up in CSM. My good friend, Ronnie Brasfield, who's been in the counseling space for 20-plus years, I asked Ronnie, what's the chance of you coming over Wednesday night and speaking to our people in this area in regards to depression and moving toward healing? And so my friend Ronnie will be here at 7 o'clock on Wednesday night, Wednesday at the cross. I want you to be here because I think you're going to benefit greatly from that. Now, here's something interesting. When you start to ponder this whole thing of depression, when most unsaved, depressed people are asked, What brings you pleasure in life? they will say something like, Nothing. But when you ask a saved person who is experiencing depression, What brings you pleasure? They're much more guarded and hesitant because they believe that to say nothing would imply that you're going to label them as being unspiritual. Lost people oftentimes have an easier—they have, they have an easier way of just communicating their pain. But a lot of saved people that once they start to reach a place of depression, they're afraid to confess it because well, you've just got to. And somebody throws two or three verses at you, memorize this, and they try to band aid your issues without ever getting into your soul. We've got to stop that. Abraham Lincoln, listen to this. You want to talk about a sobering, painful life. Abraham Lincoln once said, I am now the most miserable man living. If what I feel were equally distributed, To the whole human family, there would not be one cheerful face on earth. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. But to remain as I am is impossible. When you study the life even of Lincoln, he was very melancholic. But yet throughout history, we look back and he is presented as one of the strongest men that has ever lived in regards to human history. And he was. He was very deep and dark in his thinking at times, but he was very strong. He was very fragile, but yet he had incredible insight of things to do at times. When you study his life, Lincoln lost the love of his life when he was 24 years old. He was engaged to a girl by the name of Ann Rutledge. She was a very beautiful girl, and she fell sick with some type of odd fever, many believing typhoid, and she died with Lincoln by her side. It broke his heart. Lincoln later married a woman who was very emotionally unstable by the name of Mary Todd, and she was very abusive to him. Her nickname while they were in the White House was the Hellcat. How about that one right there? Crazy. Here comes the Hellcat. Another dagger was that three Of his four sons died before the age of 19. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. But to remain as I am is impossible. And that's where some people find themselves today. To remain like I am, I can't do it anymore. I'm so tanked. I, I, I don't feel like doing anything. I can't get out of my own way. I can't get out of my own head. And if you're battling those feelings and thoughts today, you're not alone. You're not the only one. And believe me, it is possible for any one of us to become extremely tanked in our thinking and our feelings. It is very possible for any of us to reach that place of getting inside of a pit where you feel like there's no way out. So what causes depression? Depression is usually a response to some type of disappointment, some type of pain, some type of hurt, some type of loss, some type of trauma. That's what usually uh, gives birth to the the depressed style thinking. And it may be rooted in something physically It can be emotional, it can be uh, spiritual, it can be rooted in different things. Listen to this, you do all the research. One of the causes is physical causes, low blood sugar, low levels of iron in your body. You've got this chemical imbalance working. Hormones are raging. There's a lack of sleep, you can't rest. And when you study it, research shows that twice as many women as men suffer and struggle with depression. And women experience many more changes than dudes do, from monthly cycles to postpartum to menopause. You start to look at it, and I have no clue what that feels like. I have no clue. I'm having another hot flash. I'm like, How many can you have in a day? (laughs) But women can struggle with menopause. Now, I do know a few guys, Alan, that struggle with mental pause. But that's a whole different issue, my brother. Now, let me get to a very sensitive Peace for a second. Please, please, please. It's very sensitive. But here's the question I have been asked many times in my many years in ministry Tim, do you think it's okay to use medication to treat depression? And it's a very sensitive, very delicate question. I would tell you this be careful, but it depends. Medication may help address the symptoms, but it will never heal the root problem. Be be careful. Some people use medication to mask the deeper emotional pain so that they don't have to deal with it. And for some people, medication is actually the cause of their depression. Medication might help. Calm you, but it will not. When you study antidepressants, they will not cure you. Talking to my buddy Ronnie this week, he says, even from a Christ centered psychological standpoint, certain medications are used to try to get you a baseline so that you can think properly only for a very short period of time. and then shortly you're weaned off because you've got to deal with what's going on inside your soul. Honestly, my personal philosophy is this, and this is where we have landed for 30-plus years in marriage. Is there a natural way to treat whatever the issue might be? Is there a natural way to treat our kids when they have an earache? Is there a natural way to treat, you name it, Whatever the issue might be. And so we are not quick to run to doctors and pharmacies to try to find cures. But I can honestly tell you, even though we've done so much natural over the years, this is us. this is my our philosophy. I'm not imposing it on you today. Please don't hear that. But with three and my family, over the last two plus years, being diagnosed with cystic fibrosis, it has been a struggle because we have battled through, can we treat what they're going through with God's farm instead of man's farm? If I can go to the F A I'm going there. If I do not have to entertain or use the P-H-A-R-M, I'm staying away from it. God, what have you placed there? But I will tell you this, no matter what you're going through today, spiritual issues demand spiritual solutions. And the truth is, I and you and we all need spiritual intervention in Jesus' name, and we need the healing power of Christ. So it can be physical. It can be emotional. When it's in the emotional area, some type of deep traumatic event has happened. There could be a serious loss. You've got this overload of emotions. Uh, There could be unresolved anger that you're dealing with. All of this can lead to depression. Jonah in the Bible, he had some emotional depression because of his anger. Even God looked at him and said, Jonah, Do you have a right to be angry? God had asked Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach the gospel. Just go take the good news there. Tell them I want to save them. Jonah goes, man, they're hellions. I don't want to go over there. They're going to kill me. I know they don't deserve it. He finally gets there by way of the great fish. And he goes, just tell them to repent. He don't have some clever, articulate message. He tells them and they repent. And then he's like pouting and mad. I, I didn't want to do that. And Look at, look at what you did. You, you, you saved all those people. But anger is really a huge piece. And the truth is emotional bondage is really the result of how we think and how we feel. And if we empower the voice of hell and we allow Satan to influence our thoughts and our feelings, It will lead to darkness and defeat. But if you really do empower the voice of truth and God's voice, it can lead to freedom. So every day we're having to choose, who am I going to listen to and what voice am I going to empower? Another huge piece of, of seeing people experience depression is their spiritual causes. I see people tank all the time in church. And their spiritual causes. If you're pacifying sin, you've got hidden sin, stuff you're not dealing with, stuff that you will not disclose. If you've got hidden bitterness and unforgiveness, or that stuff will right your soul. And so many people will oftentimes deflect again to something else, but they're bitter. They've got all this unforgiveness. They're mad, and they're attacking everybody else. It's like, that is sin. Now, 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 we're very cute to attack the obvious blatant drunks and druggies and porn addicts, but in church oftentimes, It is so hard for some of us to recognize what our idols are. It's easy to attack the obvious idols of bondage in some people. But if we're not careful, we gossip and we slander and we tear people apart. You know what could be blocking you today is a lack of being thankful there are so many people that do not give thanks. They're not thankful for what they have. They're constantly competing and comparing with others, and they start to tank. You've got breath. You've got something to eat. Quit being mad. Living with guilt and shame. And I can promise you, for so many people that have been around the church and faith for so many years— Being spiritually diseased is one of the major problems. And because it's a spiritual issue, a pharmaceutical solution is not gonna cure it. You've gotta repent and allow God to heal that. So whatever you're working through today, please allow the Holy Spirit to step into that space. Now, jog with me here. So how do we minister to those that are suffering from depression? How do we minister to our family and our friends who really are depressed? I can tell you, the first thing we've gotta do is just be present, be with them. You don't need to say much, but your physical presence carries so much weight. When you start to read the first few chapters of Job, when all hell broke loose and he lost everything, Job's friends jacked a lot of things up, but in chapter 2, that first seven-day period of time, they got this piece right. When Job's three friends heard about all the troubles that had come upon him, they met together to go and sympathize with him so that they could comfort him. They sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights, and no one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. I'm telling you right now, when people are going through the pit of pain and grief and sorrow, shh, just be present. Amen, I'll hang with you. I'll walk with you. I'll bear your load with you. And we need a lot of people that are willing just to be present with others. When people tell me, well, I just haven't had training in this area and I don't know what to say. You don't have to say anything. The fact that you're willing to be with somebody in the midst of their pain speaks a language that words can't come up with. Just be present. Isaiah called Jesus. He said he is a man of sorrows acquainted with suffering. He's a man of sorrows. When you look at Jesus, he modeled and mastered being a servant. Whether he was sitting down with Nicodemus, whether he was hanging with a woman at the well, whether he's sitting there with Mary and Martha after the death of Lazarus, he was okay with acquainting himself with those that were mourning, those that were in sorrow and heartbreak. Listen to me, let's just be present. The second thing I would tell you is show compassion. Psalm 103 says As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we're nothing but dust. We're just dust in the wind. And the truth is, God knows how fragile each and every one of us are. We're very fragile. We all get knocked down. And I can tell you, my Father in heaven has compassion on me every day. And if he's going to extend compassion to me, then we need to extend compassion to others. And I've tried this, and it does not work. Coach, we've tried this. When a person is really experiencing depression, trying to give them a pep talk and motivate them don't work. Hey, gotta get motivated, let's go. And I've tried to pep talk people in the midst of depression. I've even come across critical, hey, the reason this is happening, you, you're sitting on your butt, you got. And the Lord is like, just shut up. One, I told you years ago, you're not the fourth member of the Trinity. Just be there and love them where they're at. Romans 12 says, rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. Hey, it's okay for you to offer hope. Third point, the person depressed, the person has got such a distorted perspective They're in a deep pit. All they see is darkness. It's dark. I'm sorry you're there. I promise you I'm going to walk with you. There is light. You can't see it right now. You're in the middle of it. But can I just pray with you? I want to hold you. I want to look in your eyes. I want to lift you up. I want you to know we're going to walk this thing out. I mean, this too is going to pass, but right now it's hard for you. I'll, I'll walk with you. I know you're in pain, but I, but I do promise you, we don't, we're not going to stay here forever, but I'm going to walk with you through it. And even Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, they will be comforted. If you want to do anything when people are tanked out, just they're wore out, be present. Extend some compassion and uh, offer hope. Come on, we're gonna walk through this now. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you work through it. What about if you're depressed? Again, I build on that. Hope is available in Jesus' name. If you study the Psalms, David comes across as one of the most fired up yet depressed yet roller coaster kind of dudes you'll read. In Psalm 42, he goes, Why are you so downcast? Why are you so disturbed, my my soul? What's going on? I mean, he's over here writing, Praise the Lord. Man, I'm going to shout for victory. I mean, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He says, And then he's like, Why are you so downcast? Hey, put your hope in God. Praise God. He's your God, He's your Savior. And the hardest thing for us to do no matter no matter what's going on in our life right now circumstantially is that have I really yielded and surrendered and anchored my hope in God? Have I given him permission to have the superior voice? Or am I going to give it to somebody else, human being? Am I going to give it to my pain? Am I going to give it to my circumstances when you go through the dark night? All right, God, this sucks bad. This is hurting bad. Never felt like this before, but I do know that you made me and you love me. You've got to carry me through it. I I can't put my hope in anything else. That's right. One of the things that have helped me over the years, point two, allow God to use your suffering. John Piper wrote a book on don't waste your cancer. I'm like, that's a great read. But 2 Corinthians 1, Meditating on this passage over the years. God is our merciful Father. He is the source of all comfort. He comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort others. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. And when God is at the center of your life and you've leaned in, And he's brought healing through the power of the Holy Spirit in the midst of your discouragement. Here's what he's going to do. He's going to use you then to minister to others that have suffered in similar areas that you have. God has used you guys this last week or two to minister. And I look and I go, wow. And come on you will oftentimes find your place of ministry comes out of your deepest place of pain. Why did you want to get into that sports ministry? Because that's where God saved me. That's where I was at. And I know the pain and the suffering and the turmoil and the emptiness of fame and money and popularity. And God will oftentimes use wherever he redeemed you as a place for you to minister, allow God to redeem your suffering. Allow God to use you to minister to those that are in the same stinking jacked up boat you were in a few years ago. What What else can I do? Please seek Christian fellowship. Please hang out with other Christ followers. When you're downcast, when you're depressed, when you're when you're just feeling like, oh, I don't know if I can do it anymore, the tendency, again, is to isolate. And if there's ever a time we needed encouragement, it's now. Barb was talking to a girl this week. I walk in, and she's talking to this girl, and she's in a tough place right now. Marriage is in a tough place. Things are going on right now. But the girl made this statement, and she because Barb asked, have you gone to counseling? Has he gone to counseling? Do I believe that counseling is very helpful? Yes, but can I tell you something? Don't, don't, please don't miss this. Do you know that Christian counseling was not even a thing until the late 1960s? Do you know that there was a guy by the name of Jay Adams that was the pioneer of Christian counseling? So what did everybody do before there was Christian counseling? They lived in stinking community with other people and other people helped other people struggle well that were a part of the body of Christ. Why do we believe that small group and being in cell group and life on life with each other is so important? Because there's somebody in this room right now, no matter what you're going through, that's gone through something similar, that maybe they're at mile marker eight, you're at mile marker two, and you're like, man, I'm just in the, they've already walked there. Why does AA and recovery work? Because you get sponsors, and a person who's a little further down the road than you will put their arm around you and walk with you. Do you see when people, listen, when people tell you, they just stay at the crib bed and chill. You you can watch the sermon online. You You don't need that. Do you realize you're missing out on one of the greatest gifts that God's given us, and that is the body of Christ? We are a community, and we walk with each other. And it blows my mind. Go see the doctor. Go see the count. No, get involved in a community. Let us walk. Let's walk together. And your your stuff don't stink any worse than anybody else's. We'll hang with you. We'll we'll get dirty with you. I wish I would have wrote that in my notes, but I got kind of fired up thinking about that. Please hear me. Learn. Last point, please, learn to live in the present moment of the now. Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek first my kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All this other stuff will be added. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough junk to worry about on its own. Let's seek the kingdom today. Charles Spurgeon the Prince of Preachers way back. Listen to what he said. He said, "It is foolish to think the Lord provides grace for every trouble, except for the one you're in today." Mark Twain said, "I've had many troubles in my life, most of which never happened." We're forecasting disaster and we don't live in the moment and it's like, didn't happen. If you're ever going to get out of the pit, you've got to practice living in the present moment of the now and you've got just to embrace today. Some of y'all have been there. It's like, what am I supposed to do? Just do the next thing. What's the next thing? Get out of bed. What's the next thing? Go find you something somewhat healthy to eat. What's the next thing? Put the stinking phone down. You're reading all this job. Put it down. Well, what am I supposed to do? Get up. Turn off Jerry Springer. Tell me how he's helped you. Go outside. Look at the sun. Go for a walk. Cut the grass. Just do the next thing. Ecclesiastes 11 says, Light is sweet and it pleases the eyes to see the sun. We had friends over yesterday and she was talking about the office that she works in Monday through Friday. It has no windows. And we were sitting there on the back porch and the sun was coming in. And then after a while, she just wanted to go out in the driveway. I'm like, What's up? She goes, I just want to sit in the sun. Do you know that people that live in dark houses and everything stays dark, it can lead to depression? Do you know that people in Alaska during that winter time suffer a different level of suicide and depression? I just need some light. Get your butt up and go outside. Do you realize sweating is okay? Most of us have showers. Get proper sleep. (laughs) I just don't feel like exercising. Most of us don't, but once we get into it, it creates energy. Just go do it. Just go. Come on, let's do it together. And we've tried to create spaces even here at the church. Hey, come on, let's go work out. Kevin's my workout partner, man, come on. Let's go work out. All right. And we high five and let's do it. We ain't trying to look studly. Come on, we know that we're deadly. We're not studly, but at least we're creating mobility and flexibility. Come on, let's work out. Practice spiritual disciplines. I'm I'm closing. Bible reading, time of prayer, being involved in fellowship. Do you know one of the things that can help get you out of the tank? Sing out loud. Just start singing out loud. When you read the scripture, read it out loud. I'm telling you, you go, I believe this. Don't just be silent and just think, I believe. Say it. I I believe this, okay? You know one of the greatest things we can do, Sue, is serve other people. When we get tanked, we're so Oh. We get so self-consumed. Next week's message, I'm so fired up because I'm going to talk about overcoming me. We live in a self-help, self-consumed, self-promotion, self-self. Come on. Go serve somewhere. Go serve the kids. Go serve at the fish. Go serve. Go serve. Go to your neighbors and cut their, do something. I enjoy it. I do. I'm like, I got to go do something. What are you doing? It's 7.15. You woke us up. You're weed eating. I wanted to do something. It drives me crazy sitting around. Here's my clothes. This is a real issue, but I promise you there's spiritual remedies to it. Reality is suffering and grief is hard, but it's temporary. The psalmist said in Psalm 30, weeping may remain for tonight, but rejoicing comes in the morning. I'm, I don't have to stay there. The scripture tells us that one day God is going to wipe away every tear. There will be no more mourning No more sadness and no more crying. Hey, I got you. This is a hard place you're in right now. You're grieving right now. Keep running to me. When I start to contemplate live with eternity as the backdrop, when I start to contemplate the difficulties and the discouragement and the pain and hurt that exist in this world, I don't know about you, But it makes me long for heaven. It makes me get so excited that I really am going to be with Jesus forever. And as a result of that, as a result of that, it strengthens my dependence on the Lord today. When you start thinking, man, look at all this sorrow. God, you're promising all this. I want to be here but I want to be with you. But Lord, I long to be with you. But since I'm going there to be with you, I want to strengthen my dependence right now on you. I'm not gonna let this stuff own me. And I would just tell you, let's move in that direction. Hey, thank you so much for watching the message. Uh, We hope that you really pulled some things out of it. And just know that our desire is for every person, whether you ever step in this building or not, to become fully alive in Christ. Yeah, we want to see you committed to Christ. We would love to see you connected to others in a small group. And we believe it's important to uh, become a contributing member to the body of Christ through uh, sharing your faith, uh, as well as financially investing in the work of God. That's right. And so we pray that you're growing, that you're striving forward. There's so many resources on the website. You can watch past messages, your testimonies from people. We pray that you utilize those. And we hope to see you on a Sunday morning. Make it a great day and enjoy uh, the abundant life in Christ.